Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hey parents, Jack and Claire's Children's Boutique in Oxford features the latest brands of baby and children's clothing, shoes, toys, and accessories. Check out Jack and Claire's Facebook page too. Jack and Claire's Children's Boutique, West Jackson Avenue next to Belk. Howdy, howdy, it's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbard along with Rhino in the Element Well Studios guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder and fine music on this Friday Eve. And a rainy one a little bit here in central Mississippi watching uh, the radar as storms track across primarily the central third of the state. You got any update from the weather as it roared through the Magnolia State yesterday? Uh, thankfully, I haven't seen any reports of any injuries or major damage. There were, uh, I want to say it was forty to 50,000 Mississippians without power at some point yesterday. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there was... There was hail damage, but nothing to uh, nothing major to any homes or businesses, as far as I could tell. If I missed any, let us know. Yep, lots of folks have been sharing photographs on social media of the hail. Oh yeah, wow. Seems a little unusual for this time of year, but I've seen some really big hail featured in some of these photographs, like softball size. Right, that came through, and I've seen lots of folks commiserating over the fact that they like just replaced their roofs. Seen some folks posting that, and now they endure this hail comes through, and it's a question as to whether or not it was large enough to cause damage. But that ain't good. So I think we got some more of that in store for the day. However dissipating right as the day yeah. progresses not supposed to be as bad yeah not not like the way it was yesterday and out in texas it's supposed to get real hot you seen that triple digits for the next several days out in the lone star state oh the climate folks are they're up in a frenzy about this aren't they they're loving it we told you climate change <laughs> it's hot in texas in the summer that's climate change <laughs> Jeez, some of these people. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The um, the news in the media, it's so fair and balanced, you know. <laughs> ABC, CBS, NBC, minutes covering the Trump indictment, 291. This is from the Media Research Center, an organization that tracks this sort of stuff. Minutes, no wait, seconds 
covering the Biden-Burisma bribery scheme. Zero. Oh, well, they're so fair and balanced, aren't they? It's incredible. They've said nothing about it. It's like non-existent. Oh, yeah, what is... um. What is the Washington Post slogan? Democracy dies in darkness. Well, I guess it's dying because it's dark over there at the Post. Jeff Bezos Post. Incredible. So yesterday, Rhino, we got a text right before we exited the air, before the program was over. And I wanted to follow up on that. Maybe you can find it. It was uh, from the 813 area code. And we were talking about, I wanted to address this and start the program off by addressing this. We were talking about just an observation that the media seems to be, I should say corporations, seem to be obsessed with featuring let's just say, non-white, heterosexual people in their advertising, portraying uh, actors acting in the, in the media commercials and so forth, whether it be print, social media, television. And they just seem to feature minorities, and that's fine, right? They just don't see a lot of just... I don't want to say normal, but let's just say traditional. How about that? Traditional white heterosexual actors, if it's a family type setting, or perhaps. I found it. You found it. Okay. So you got it up there. And this person said, You sure are doing the same, pretty upset about diversity on television commercials. White conservative male butt hurt. It's a real thing, apparently. Well, I wanted to address that. So, I fully support the right of a private business to advertise however the hell they want. I don't care who they have featured in their commercial as actors, what sort of people they are representing and portraying. From a physical attributes perspective, I don't care if they're white, black, polka dot, purple, green, Martians. I don't care if they're straight or gay or whatever. It's their right. I support their right. This is where I, Rhino, and this person who sent this text differ. You see, they want to force these corporations to act a certain way, operate under some orthodoxy that they believe is acceptable. I don't. I want them to act however the hell they want. With respect to their advertising, you're free to feature Dylan Mulvaney, Bud Light, if you want. I just happen to think it's stupid. See, that's the difference. I support their right to do it. I just think it's stupid. I think that the goal of advertising ought to be to what? Sell more stuff. Get people to buy your product and service. Clearly, Bud Light and Target missed the mark on that because their stocks have tanked significantly. They've lost value. Their sales are down. And when I see all these other corporations 
that are promoting their products and services with actors that really probably don't represent the vast majority of the people that buy their stuff. I go back to Michael Jordan. Hey, Republicans, they buy tennis shoes as well. Why would I want to promote and be a spokesperson for a company where I'm only trying to appeal to a certain segment of the population? In the marketing world, they call that the TAM, the Total Addressable Market. You're familiar with that. So that's, oh, yeah. that's more than just a certain segment, a certain demographic. That's, I just think it's stupid. I think it's dumb. I think it's misguided. Not only that, I think it is an abdication of their fiduciary responsibility. What that means is that for those of us, for the public, who say invest in their company by buying their stock, you're obligated are you management and board to maximize profits? That seems to be something that's lost on the left. That's that's your job. That's your function. That's your goal. That's your duty. And when you go out and promote your products in such a way that it diminishes profit because it results in a decrease in sales because people say, I ain't buying that stuff anymore. I don't like the way... You're advertising it. That's their right. See, that's the market. That's the way it works. The market will sort this out. They will reward you when they like what you're doing, and they will punish you when you don't. What folks like this person wants to do is dictate all that. You know what that's called? Socialism. That is central planning. Oh, no, corporation, you're going to advertise the way we tell you to. You've got to be diverse. You've got to, we're going to force you. Larry Fink at BlackRock, a company, a big private equity firm, gigantic wealth manager, who I have tremendous respect for, he actually says it. We're going to force you. If we're, if you're looking for us to take a position in your company, a financial position, make an investment, we're going to force you into this ESG garbage. We're going to force you into DEI. And that means you're going to have to advertise that way. You're going to have to feature what are sort of non-traditional, and you're going to have to feature people who really don't represent the majority of the total addressable market. That's bad business. That's dumb. But you'll never get that through the thick skulls of the ignorant liberals that want to troll us on the text line because their life is miserable and devoid of meaning. I think you're right. I'll just say again, I fully support the right of these companies to be dumb. You want to advertise that way? Knock yourself out. I don't want government to step in and prevent you from advertising that way. However, just be aware there may be consequences. And you know what else is going to happen? You're going to see a series of lawsuits launched by investors who say, you're abdicating your fiduciary responsibility. Your job is to maximize profits. That's what I expected when I invested a return. You're not doing that. You're more worried about being a social justice activist rather than producing a profit. We're stepping aside. We're coming right back with more here in the Element Well Studios. Dr. Sandy Childs-Jones with the Rooster Run at 1037. PSC Brent Bailey at 1205. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. On Super Talk Mississippi. Let's do it. 
We are back in the Element Well Studios. We thank you so much for joining us. You know, I'm not going to apologize for the rant because this forced diversity, equity, and inclusion, that achieves nothing. It's got to happen naturally. You should never apologize for pointing out the truth. And when the liberal trolls, even if you did apologize to the ignorant liberal trolls, it wouldn't be enough. Nothing is ever enough for these weak-minded fools. It's so true. It's just basic, objective truth. It's human nature. There's a reason why, for decades in advertising, companies feature people that look like what people want to look like. Is that not true? Oh, yeah. There's a reason why we do that. And honestly, no disrespect, but Dylan Mulvaney doesn't look like anybody that we want to look like. She's trying to be breakfast at Tiffany's. That was the that was the purpose well, that was of the, the get old up. look. Now he's gone blonde. Oh, okay. And looks even more like an alien. I agree. Her her name escapes me. Famous actress that that starred in the role. That's what he was trying to look like. Catherine Hepburn. Uh, or Audrey Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn. Not Catherine. right. Not Catherine. Audrey Hepburn. Right. Who was a fabulous looking, very attractive female, very classy. Would be a good person to use in commercial. There's a reason why people that typically make it in Hollywood to the big screen, it's a, it's the jackpot when you can persuade them to feature your products, right? To be a spokesperson, to star. But normally it's because they've got a certain physical appeal. I can't help that. That's it doesn't even will. have to involve humans. Think about this. If you have a vending machine sat next to a pile of manure... And another vending machine set next to a bouquet of flowers. Which vending machine are you going to? <laughs> it's so true. And it's interesting coincidence, Rhino, because while we're talking about this, I'm watching a split-screen interview on the television in here. Bruce Jenner. Of course, showing as a female. It's just ugly. I'm sorry. Because you're a male. You're a dude. You're a guy. And you're trying to be a female, and it's just not attractive. Now, I understand beauty is in the eye of the beholder, as they say. But just in general, you could run like a survey, couldn't you, and say, do you want this, or do you want some true, voluptuous, attractive female representing your products? I keep thinking about the Hardy's Hamburgers commercials. Of a few years ago. With the Oh man, you couldn't do those now. With the gorgeous beach babes out there in the bikinis. Like Or the high life commercials where the women are fighting in the fountain over less filling, more taste, less filling. There's a reason. It's because human senses respond positively to that. I can't help that. All you got to do is go back to Kennedy Nixon, right? That's when that was first discovered, became a thing in politics. Hmm, it seems like people that have just a more attractive physical appeal, they seem to get more votes. Is that not true? Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't even have to be attraction. It's just put together and seems to care about their appearance. That's true. Agree. That's exactly right. You don't have to have necessarily some sort of big screen, silver screen type beauty. Or physical appeal. You're right. Just put together. 
carried well, presented well, no doubt. But all these woke commercials, no, it's all about, I'm sticking this in your eye, I'm going to show you the craziest scenario I can, right? And it's like, well, that's fine, except that's about 1% of the population. If that much. That's just dumb. That's dumb marketing, dumb advertising. Now, again, I support your right to be dumb, but the market will punish your butt. Simple as that. And that's the way it ought to be. Government should not intervene and dictate who you have to feature in your ads. I got the impression this person thinks we're mad because they used these various different non-traditional people in their ads. No, I'm not mad about it. I just think it's dumb. There's a difference between being mad and and, uh, assessing something is dumb. And if I'm an investor, a stockholder, I might be mad because, well, that's probably going to result in a decrease in sales, which is going to fall to the bottom line, and I'm not going to get the return I'm seeking on my investment. I'm selling. I'm going elsewhere. That's how that works. The market is the only, only fair arbiter. Only fair arbiter. Not government. Not some radical, crazy, ideological group. They want to be, of course. They want to dictate it. All in their favor. And just leave everybody else out. So, I, I caught that the president's Twitter account. You might want to go look at it there, Rhino. You know how I you have can, to. <laughs> you know how you can have a little... Because you know he doesn't even touch that thing. Of course he doesn't. It's you know all how, run by some ideological intern. How you can have the banner at the top of your Twitter profile. Presently, currently, the President Biden account, the top banner, in big block letters, pride... Then with the pride colors below it, placed on a blue black, uh, background, and the pride colors are kind of rolling, so to speak, wavy across the bottom. You see it? Like, oh, yeah. So what this tells me is that the president is representing one specific demographic. I thought he was who we had to have to be the president of all people and to unify the country. How the hell does that do that? And that doesn't mean I'm anti-gay. It just means, and by the way, I don't want him to have some banner that says, hey, white heterosexual males. I don't want that either. Maybe an American flag would make a nice background. The... The skyline of Washington would be a great background, featuring the notable structures, as an example. I don't know. Marketing people can figure that out. But this is essentially showing favoritism to one specific group. No, I don't want that. And that same group will bemoan that they are the oppressed. Oh, exactly. But yet they you get... You rainbow they get flags the, flying everywhere. You got the most powerful man in the world putting you up on his Twitter banner, but you're oppressed. Exactly. And we're supposed to believe that. And you're not afforded the same rights. No, I think it's just the opposite. You have a big event at the, at the White House. Nobody else can get to the White House like that. You have a big event. Take over the whole place. 
Run around and show your breasts. Oh, but you don't have Whether any privileges and rights. Whether you bolted them on or cut them off. <laughs> In this case, I think it was both, wasn't it? <laughs> That's, I don't see how that unites us. It divides us further. Because you're calling attention to, and you're representing, showing your representation and your affinity for only one demographic. Isn't there anything that we can unite around? Coalesce around? Anything? I guess not. The president doesn't think so. He also said, I don't know if you heard it, in his remarks at the event this past weekend, when he was talking to the Pride attendees, he said, "You're the," and I'm paraphrasing a bit, you're the bravest, most inspirational group I've ever been around. Really? Less than a week after he talked at the graduation of the Air Force. True. With the same message, basically. Right. Except he said bravest of much less to the military. That's, that's very true. So I know people listening may say, well, Gerard, you're, you're just homophobic or whatever. No, not at all. It has nothing to do with fear, and that nope. wordsmithing is beyond the pale. I'm just it's offering... It's like they're trying to say the police officers that took down the Nashville shooter were transphobic because the shooter was trans. How in the heck could they have known? <sighs> I, I'm just providing objective analysis. I got eyes and ears that I can read, I can see. I've consumed it. And again, I would say, if you really want evidence of of uh, my position look at my business history and background had several gay people that worked for me not because they were gay or weren't or weren't it's because they did a damn good job that's how we do it can you do the job can you provide value to our customers to our company you're hired assuming you have uh, good character and integrity and all the other sort of non-specific business skills and qualifications. Sure, that's how it works. Didn't really care. But I don't want government forcing me. That's the difference. Let it happen naturally. It all works out. It's a beautiful thing. We're coming right back with Dr. Sandy Childs-Jones. We're going to talk about the rooster run this weekend. Stay with us. With Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk, Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Middays live from the Element Well Studios. Uh, joining us now, Dr. Sandy Childs-Jones with the Rooster Run in Corinth, Mississippi. Good morning there, Dr. Childs-Jones. Tell us about the Rooster Run. Please call me Sandy Gerard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing great. We got, we, we got folks everywhere running around here. I'm in the middle of the road. You got sunshine and blue sky uh, just, behind you too. 
Oh, yes. I hope we have this Saturday. Awesome. And uh, that that's Roy, the rooster, the big chicken. I see. In the background. I thought you'd like to see him. <laughs> see, I'm in the middle of the road. <laughs> I love it's it. It's all right. It's my road. All right. So tell us about the rooster run and how this whole thing got started. Well, it was a joke, and it's just gotten so silly. It's actually fun. Uh, I thought uh, I asked up here on the highway when we were going to Memphis, I asked them how much they wanted for that big chicken on the pole. Yeah. And they said $2,000. And I said, thank you, goodbye. <laughs> and uh, then, I just being silly, I got on my Facebook and I said, if all my friends are give me a dollar, then we can get us a big chicken. And then I went to sleep and I woke up the next morning and oh my goodness, people were saying they were going to send a dollar. So in less than three weeks, we had $3,000. So we went and bought the chicken and uh, used a th- extra thousand to get him painted up in the pole. And 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 we had us a, a homecoming parade for him. And yep. it was a mile long and politicians <laughs> and everybody come. But then the next year, we started the Rooster Run and uh, Rooster Rally, and we are now the uh, third largest political speaking in Mississippi. Wow. Unbelievable. So uh, so how long have we been doing this? What what year is this? Nine, nine the, years the now. The ninth. Okay. And it occurs... And what we oh, pick... Go ahead. Please. I'm sorry. Go ahead. We pick a different charity in Alcorn County every okay. year and uh, so this this year's is Living Free Ministry and it's a zero sum fundraiser we buy our own t-shirts we every penny goes to the charity and uh, we've raised over 150000 for for charities in Alcorn County wow that's awesome alright so the rooster what's the name of the rooster has a name Yes, this is Roy the Rooster. Okay, Roy the Rooster. And he is, yeah. <laughs> and so will the, you said that uh, politicians are going to have the opportunity to speak, right, as part of the run. Will, oh, yes. Will they be under Roy there on, uh, no. I, on the street? Well, they're going to be in the, um, on the back porch. Okay, okay. And then they talk to the crowd out there. But now, Gerard, I, the governor's coming. Uh, Brandon Presley, he's going to do his chores. Yeah. And Big D, Big Delbert Holzman. Okay. And uh, Chris McDaniel. Chris McDaniel's done, done his chores. Okay. So you got the, the politicians headliners. have to do chores. Yeah, <laughs> you got the headliners. Oh, yeah, y'all need the, to come. You got the governor, uh, gov- gubernatorial candidates, and the candidates for lieutenant governor planning to attend. They mm-hmm. will address the crowd. I bet they get them pretty fired up, huh? They do. Now our our local politicians also speak, and uh, it's a little fun watching them in some of these contested races. Sure. And then you've got, you also have a run as well. And this is, of course, to yes. raise money. So tell us about that. What's the length? Who participates? Okay. The, the Rooster Run is a 5K. 
and it's a fun run. So we've got runners, serious runners, and walkers, and uh, wheelchairs, and we've got trophies for all categories. Okay. Awesome. So, go ahead. So do folks uh, bring their own uh, refreshments, or how does that work? No, we've got, we're going to sell barbecue plates, okay. barbecue sandwiches, and uh, some hamburgers and hot dogs and snow cones and drinks and and chips, and it's just, and that barbecue's really good. We got them on right now. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. That sounds like and, a whole lot of fun. And, and then you- we have. The T-shirts as well, right? Oh, yes. They're going to get a T-shirt. If you run, you get a T-shirt and a medal. And uh, if you want to just buy a T-shirt, they'll be here for sale. And uh, we've just got bouncy houses for the kids. And it is really shady out here. So if you're worried about the heat or the rain or anything like that, please don't. Everybody needs to come at least once. So it's a um, sight to see. <laughs> and so this is billed as the third largest political speaking event in the state. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. It is correct. Neshoba County Fair is first. Yeah. And then there's Jay Center. Yeah. That's Jay Center now. You know and, that. And then there's us. Jay Center. Well, I was trying to be proper <laughs> on the on the radio. Well, I've been there before. It's quite the event as well, and they'll they'll correct you real quick. It's Jay Center, so isn't that Jay right? Jay Center. Well, that's pretty good. Uh, so, how many people do you expect, uh, Sandy, that will be in attendance to see these political speeches? I expect over a thousand folks. Wow, that's pretty and cool. It, uh, well, that ain't that ain't much <laughs> compared to other times. But it's uh, it's fun. If I bring a lawn chair, there's plenty of room. We'll have golf carts running up. You don't have to walk from your vehicle to up here. It's just it's a it's just a. I don't know what to say. It is. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's fun. And yeah. are you actually <laughs> in the city of, of of Corinth? Are you actually in the city of Corinth? No. Where, where are you located? No, I'm I'm not a townie, but I'm a county. <laughs> gotcha. They uh they I'm about I'm about six miles outside of Corinth on right off right off Highway seventy two. Okay. Well I see the vehicles in the background. One just passed behind you there, so you're right there on the road. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That this is my house, I can throw a rock and eat it. It's sitting right there. And I see Roy in the background so, as well with the American flag. It's a patriotic rooster. Yes. <laughs> he is, but he is non-politically, I can't say that word, affiliated. <laughs> I got you. So, yeah. I mean, so but, Corinth and uh, that in Alcorn County, it's really not known for, for poultry. Well, what's the connection with the rooster? Whose idea was that to start with before you saw it? Well, it was mine, and like I said, it was a joke. Okay. I didn't think anybody would give us money, but now out around the base of, of Roy, it's everybody's name who gave a dollar or more Okay. to bring him home. Oh, that's pretty cool. So that was from your friends. It's amazing. It's just a landmark. 
I I got you. Well, that I'm I'm glad you were able able to preserve Roy and uh, his uh, his very visible roost there, <laughs> right there on the road, hoisted <laughs> up uh, on that structure. It's a twenty foot pole, and he's he's eight inch, eight in, eight foot, eight eight inches. Okay, that's a big rooster. I mean, I could see it in the yeah. background there, and I know it's uh, several feet behind you. It's pretty prominent. It's pretty big in the in the view. It's it's a great yeah. it's a great setting you chose to uh, uh, to come on the show. That's that's pretty cool, and I like the blue sky in the background. So, do folks arrive typically, Sandy, on Saturday, or do many come in before that? Oh, yeah, they come in before tomorrow's the fun day. Yeah. Oh, and we'd love for y'all to come, Gerard. I mean, it's a sight to see. I gotta believe. You need it. to come on down on Saturday. I do. I'll put you on the back porch with the <laughs> as a VIP. Okay. Well, Just golly. don't tell nobody. <laughs> That's pretty cool. There goes there goes a candidate right there. Okay. And so, who decides, Sandy? Who decides who, who gets to speak amongst the candidates? Do you make that decision? Is there a group that makes it, or how's that work? Everybody's gonna, yeah, everybody's gonna speak, but now they ain't got but five minutes. I got you. You gonna put the hook on and, them in five minutes, right? Gonna have, yeah, you better believe it. <laughs> and we ain't gonna have no cat calling and booing, or I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to kick you out of the bottom. I bet. I bet that is the case. So, I've got all the confidence in the world. You keep everybody straight. Oh, well. <laughs> I get to be boss one day out of the year. <laughs> well, we appreciate like you coming it. on. It looks looks great. Appreciate you coming on, Sandy. Well, Thanks a lot. Well, thank you, Gerard. Take Y'all care. Come. See you later. You too. That's Bye-bye. awesome. We're coming right back. In the Element Well Studios, we've got Public Service Commissioner Brent Bailey at 12.05 and a bunch of stuff to talk about, including some body parts business. We'll talk to you about that when we come back. Are we going to do this? Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you in the Element Wealth Studios. It's middays. We thank you so much for joining us today. All right, so crazy story, uh, Rhino out of uh, I think it's Massachusetts, if I'm not mistaken, and it's. This is crazy. Harvard Medical School morgue manager and the wife charged (laughs) with stealing and selling human body parts. You got one job, it's to run the morgue, and you're severing bodies and selling the parts. And these bodies are 
the bodies that were, quote-unquote, donated their life to science. That's right. Exactly. You can do that. You can do that. That's how med students learn hands-on anatomy. That's why Harvard would receive them into their morgue at the medical school. It's for medical training. Right. Well, it turns out that they were cutting up the bodies, this is crazy, and selling them to cats' creepy creations. Have you ever heard of anything like this? This is nuts. So, cats' creepy creations is owned by someone named McLean, M-A-C-L-E-A-N. He looks like the kind of person that would be involved in body parts. I agree, he does. Got a half-tattooed face, a blacked-out eye, surgically implanted horns on his head, Weirdo. big old gauges through his ears. Probably be featured in a commercial pretty soon by a major corporation, right? Because of all the people that look like that and that that appeals to. Katrina McLean as well involved. And so their, <laughs> their Instagram account, for Cat's Creepy Creations, says it sells, quote, creations that shock the mind and shake the soul, including creepy dolls, oddities, and bone art. A post from December 2019 describes a display that included, quote, real human vertebrae. So this nut running the morgue is selling the body parts to cats' creepy creations for personal enrichment. It turns out it's... A.K.A. enabling psychopaths. (laughs) Exactly. Cedric Lodge, 55 years old, and his wife were involved in the sale of human body parts to cats' creepy creations. Oh, yeah, they allegedly ran it like a freaking thrift store or something, where you just come in and point out which ones you want, and we'll get them to you. Oh, my gosh. Shipping included, wink, wink. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Oh, man, they couldn't find the owner of Cat's Creepy Creations for a comment. But they brag about cool displays. Golly, that's hard to believe. I I don't. He's been doing this like for four years, I think. Right? And that what? Oh you yeah, mean? dates back to 2018. So now five five years. years. <laughs> and this is the Harvard morgue manager, and I'm looking at a photo of him outside the court in Concord, New Hampshire, federal court. There, I guess it's a federal crime, and. He's trying to shield his face with the lawsuit, the document of the lawsuit. It's really, it was a conspiracy is what their the charges are, to steal and sell human body parts because they were donated to the school for research and education, instruction. And he just decided to help himself and pawn them off to Cat's Creepy Creations. Uh, every day, something crazier. By the way, I 
I caught the story in the old Boston Globe, without a doubt, the most far-left-leaning newspaper uh, in the country. We're taking a break right here. When we come back, going to dig in a, a little bit into the recently announced GOP budget slash tax plan, including some ideas they are proposing in the plan to improve, if not totally stabilize, Social Security and Medicare. You want to hear that? We're coming right back after Fox News and Super Talk News in the Element Well Studios. The show that challenges you to think deeply deeply. and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Hour two of midday, Super Talk Mississippi on this Friday Eve. <laughs> we are indeed at the Friday Eve point. In the middle of June, we are. Public Service Commissioner Brent Bailey coming on the program at 12.05 to give us an update from the Public Service Commission. If I'm not mistaken, Intergy has announced a rate decrease. We're going to talk about that and a whole bunch of other stuff. Seven whole dollars. <laughs> okay. Jack in Jacktown says, Some corporations feel woke advertising provides an advantage separate from product features benefits. Remember, Coke with a I'd like to teach the world to sing promotion. Wokeness ain't new. You know, Jack, I don't think I would put that in the category of wokeness, and that's because... What, thinking back on that ad, I mean, that was just an assortment of people of different races and nationalities and ethnicities from across the world. And, and so there is something to, there is a category of advertising. I know Rhino knows about this. It's called sort of feel-good advertising. And the idea of that was to kind of make you feel good. Well, it also Coke. saved money because you could make one ad, and the only thing you had to change to use it around the world for your global brand was to translate the song. That's true. That's a good point. If as well. it even needed translating, because a big swath of the world enjoys English language music, speaks English, right, and enjoys English, right, exactly. So I don't think I'd put it in that category because. Pretty much everybody was represented there. I don't feel like that was calling attention to or featuring just one sliver demographic. And it and in the message wasn't I'm trying to poke your eye out either. There wasn't any sort of force there or you know condescending uh, statements or anything like that. 
It, it, I just feel like some of these other ads, just like in your face, we're going to think of the craziest thing we can, and boy, that's what we're going to advertise. And, I, and seen several of those, and, and again, I fully support their right to do so. Fully support it. Private company. Just think it's dumb. And it seems like that that analysis is accurate when you consider the value that has been lost by companies that have chosen that route. There's no question, no denying that. That's just mathematical fact. More and more people across the country are starting to experience woke exhaustion. So tell me about this school up, uh, where was that, in the Northeast? Oh, yeah, it was in New Hampshire, Massachusetts. Massachusetts, okay. And uh, it was the one I talked about yesterday where the middle schoolers were kind of having their own revolt. And this is, here's some coverage from the local news there on the events involving Pride Day. Tolerance and homophobia are unacceptable. This type of intolerant rhetoric starts in the home. Parents angry at town hall over intolerance at Marshall Simons Middle School. Kids were asked to wear rainbow clothes in honor of Pride Spirit Day. But some organized a counter-protest wearing red, white, and blue or black. The principal sharing a statement to families that Pride posters were ripped down, stickers ripped up, some students chanted USA are my pronouns, and students showing Pride were intimidated. It was an unruly disruption, in fact, that was organized ahead of time. While some parents were upset, others say it was overblown. Some of the kids threw the stickers on the ground. But, you know, I can only speak for my daughter. She just, she didn't want to wear that to school. It's not that she wanted to hurt anybody's feelings. She says her daughter felt coerced to participate in the Pride event and was offended by some of the messages, like this quote from Tennessee Williams. Human heart cannot be straight. It is curves and winds. And my daughter just kind of said, you know, Mom, that's that's offensive to, to me. Well, yeah. Uh, it would. So if you wanted to force everybody to wear, you know, go white heterosexual males, here's a T-shirt, I want you to wear that. I mean, it doesn't represent you. It's not... We should only, in schools and public institutions and the like, it seems to me like what should be promoted are things that are common to everybody. That's how you build unity, cohesiveness, how you pull everything towards a common goal, set of objectives, not when you call attention to one specific group. I no more support that in a school than I would forcing everybody to wear some sort of religious statements or symbology or attend some event. Shouldn't force that. And, and, of course, what you open the door up to is, well, are you going to feature all these other groups as well? Are you going to give them a day, a week, or a, an event, whatever the case may be? And how does that improve one's education? How does that enhance the educational experience? How does that prepare a middle school kid for adult productive life? I don't think it does. I don't see how it does. And if your goal is to make them more accepting of this lifestyle, you're, you're losing. You're not achieving that goal. In fact, you're making them more resentful. That's just human nature. 
be a lot better off if you, again, would just back off on the shoving it down everybody's throat. I think most people are okay with it. Just don't shove it down my throat. I won't shove my stuff down yours. You don't shove yours down mine. Let me live my life without and all for that. for the love of all that's holy, quit exaggerating everything. You are not oppressed. Yeah. Disagreeing with you does not equal genocide. Correct. So correct. Absolutely spot on correct. Unbelievable. And saying leave the kids alone is not transphobic. It should be the normal reaction to all of this mental illness and attention whoring. It's unbelievable. You're banning books because they're inappropriate for people that age. For little people. Let them be kids. Enjoy the few years of innocent life while you have them. My gosh. You're a much more stable person, by the way, by the time you go through adolescence and adulthood. If you have a, some innocent childhood, that's just fact. There's no doubt about it. Larry McGee says, give them hell, Gerard. I'm cheering you on. And you know what? I, I really I appreciate that, Larry, and I know what you're saying. I'm not trying to give anybody hell, and I, but I know what you're saying, Larry, and I appreciate it. I get fired up. I get passionate about this because it's, you know, I'd, I'd like to think as a, as a person, a Christian, a person of God, I, I try to love everybody, and that's what God tells us. All humans are his children. And even sinners. It's hard sometimes. I understand. I know. Especially when they harm other people. But th- this, is, this is just objective fact. That's all it is. When you've got everybody turning upside down for one small sliver of the population, I just don't see how that improves the quality of life in our country. My gosh, we're so wrapped up into this issue. And we're not focusing on what we should be emphasizing. We got global threats from foes that want to wipe us off the planet. We got financial issues, economic issues we're we're grappling with. It's like we don't even talk about that. And these dumb companies... Want to shove this crap down your throat. And you know who I feel bad for? The rank-and-file people that work for these companies or are attached in some way to these companies. Take the beer distribution companies. The person out there running the route, delivering the beer, it hurts them. Hurts them. They didn't do anything. Yeah, it wasn't your local bartender that made the decision to put Dylan Mulvaney in the ad. Yeah, he's one idiot for the most part. But it it has a you know has a trickle down effect. How about that? Even though they say that doesn't exist, they being the left. But this is well, dumb. they being the left is they're generally filled with insecurity and ignorance. Sure seems like it. We've got some more text here. I'll get to and also gonna run down uh, at least at a high level the American Families and Jobs Act. House Republicans have proposed three new tax bills, and they have packaged them together as the American Families and Jobs Act. 
And it also has a, a tie, if you will, to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act passed under Donald Trump in 2017. These, to me, are the kinds of things we ought to be paying attention to. Because, folks, this affects everybody's wallet. And like it or not, you got to have money to live. We're coming right back with more in the Element Well studio. Stay with us. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. What? What? This is so awesome. On Super Talk Mississippi. back, everyone, to the Element Well Studios. We thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget, this Friday, that's tomorrow, Sports Talk Mississippi will be at M-Trade Park in Oxford for the 2023 Mississippi Bombers a Summer Southeast Invitational. It's one of the biggest and most prestigious softball tournaments in the country, and it's happening right here in Mississippi at M-Trade Park. 120 teams from 15 states will compete, and last year, over 85 college softball coaches were in attendance to scouts some of the best players in the country. So join the boys from Sports Talk Mississippi on Friday at M-Trade Park in Oxford. Yeah, on the C Spire text line, Michael and Laurel says, or the Swedish bikini team ads. Absolutely. What's wrong with that? It's worked pretty well through the years. I want these corporations to figure out advertising that best promotes their product, makes people want to buy it, their products and services. That's what advertising's for. Not to espouse your social justice activism. If you want to sprinkle it that in here and there, okay, fine. Let us all know you're a good corporate citizen. But when all of your advertising is that, no. Again, you're abdicating your fiduciary responsibility, which means you have a responsibility to investors, to people who have risked their money to maximize returns, period. That's what you do. And anything less than that is abdication. Who the heck wants to invest in a company that, yeah, we're not really about making profit here. We're, we're about fighting these various social justice wars. Nobody wants that. If you want to tank your money that way, you're free to do so. But that's not in the best interest of society, let alone investors. Know your demographic, says Michael. I agree. Beauty goes skin deep, but ugly goes, goes clear to the bone on the ceasefire text line. Companies trying to appeal to woke and non-woke have strong nuclear families, but have amazingly attractive mixed-race actors. Yeah, and you know, that's again, that's fine. It's just that when that's all you ever feature in your ads, exclusively, you never feature 
what would be more traditional? Honestly, Rhino, what is more representative of the population at large? That's what's missing. Again, I don't have an issue with that, and I can see how you may want to include some of that in your advertising to appeal to that group, to those that market, but not exclusively. Again, you're free to do it. I don't want the government telling you otherwise, one way or another. I just think it's misguided. As a proud Army veteran, this was this was a few weeks ago, Chris from Past Christi- Christian. This is when we were talking about the pride flag down at the VA on the coast. But today he says, in regard with regards to Joe Biden telling those in attendance at the Pride event over the weekend that they were the most courageous, inspirational people he'd ever known. Chris says, braver than World War II veterans? I mean, sure, I agree, Chris. We could go down the list of anyone who's ever been in combat, faced faced death in that regard, fighting in uniform for our country. Yeah, no comparison. It's a slap in their face, in my view. Anybody that's experienced that in this country, especially at such a young age, through our history of wars. Louie from the 662 says, Gerard, you required integrity and good work ethic in your prospective workforce. Question, question, question. That's white privilege. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you, Louie. That's, that is right. That conflicts with the ideals of the DEI movement, right? Hard work. Rugged individualism. Striving for success. I think that was one of them as well. Delayed gratification. Yeah. And, you know, Louie, you're right. Guess what? We required that of all our white people and black people and Muslims and Indians and Russians and Hispanics and all the folks we had working for us. Straight people, the gay people. We had a diverse workforce. I'm proud of that. But it wasn't by force. It wasn't by design. I didn't have this sprawling, expensive, bureaucratic DEI group that made those decisions. Guess what? It still worked out pretty well. Again, we didn't plan it that way. We just wanted the best people working for the company. And, you know, anything less than that is a disservice to our customers. And in the IT world, you talk about get some people upset, make them computers stop working. People go nuts. They should because they rely on it. And we're there to make sure it's always working. Nothing frustrates people more than when that stuff isn't working. I get it. We accept that responsibility. But in order to fulfill that responsibility, you can't tell me, government, who I got to hire. I got to make that decision. I got to hire the best people for the job. I don't care about their race, their ethnicity, their sexual lifestyle. I just want the best people. That is how we serve the market. That's how we produce a return, a profit for our stakeholders. It's just real simple. It's just capitalism. But all this forcing and mandating and dictating. No, that's inconsistent with those goals and ideals. That doesn't produce the best results. Incredible. 
Dan in Hattiesburg says, I always love hearing her speak. Who are we talking about then, Rhino? Sandy. Sandy, yeah. She was fantastic. I did, too. Her, uh, She has kind of a classic, I would say, refined Mississippi accent. Kind of reminds me of a female version of old Hank Burdine. Looks like they're going to have a lot of fun up there. William and Brandon says, did you happen to read where the bare-breasted dude on the White House lawn is upset he hasn't been approached by corporations yet? I did. What a schmuck. Yeah, probably did that, acted in that way to gain attention in the hopes that he would get scarfed up. That's probably true. And I guess it backfired. And again, if they want to do that, more power to you. You have the right corporations to do so. It's probably going to backfire on you. Probably wouldn't be in your best economic interest. Won't produce the greatest return. <laughs> Gerard, I'll sell you a kneecap for 20 bucks, Darren and Jackson. And that, of course, connected to the story we shared about the couple who operated the morgue at the Harvard Medical School and we're selling body parts from the donated bodies. How bizarre is that, man? Yeah, somebody, Pamela Biloxi says, I saw that on the news this morning. He was even selling skin. I saw that. Taken from the bodies. Something about the tone of the skin, the shade of the skin. People were wanting to do something special with um, specific skin tones. It's bizarre. It's crazy. I remember the Benetton ads of the 80s. They exhibited diversity in a pleasant manner. Yeah, surely you could do that. Absolutely. No problem with that. Being offended is cool if it's the right being offended, I guess. I see. I I guess that's the way the left thinks. And I, I guess I'll go back to my assertion, my belief, that you have the right to offend. You don't have the right to not be offended, if you can follow that. Get over it. I guess that's what gave rise to the whole safe space movement, huh? You're offended! Here's your safe space! Jeez. Wrong thing, says Thomas in Greenwood. Hmm. How is that different than Confederate Memorial Day? What does that mean exactly? Everything is forced on us these days. Watch the commercials on TV, says Brent from Mendenhall. Yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. If you're an adult and you want to talk to children about sex, there's something wrong with you. Why can't we just let children be children and have a childhood, says Robert and Brandon. Totally agree. We said that as well. I just don't see any appropriate place for explicit sexual content in youngsters. It's got to be age-appropriate. Surely we can agree on that, but it doesn't seem like it. The left wants to start sexualizing preschoolers. I mean, it's crazy. We're stepping aside for a break right here in the Element Well Studios. Coming right back. Stay with us. Midday's with Gerard Gibbert. 
on Super Talk Mississippi. Bumping us into this segment of middays. We are back in the Element Well studio. So on the ceasefire text line, second day in a row that y'all are talking about this. Why isn't your program about issues we should be focused on? Y'all are just as guilty for keeping it in the news. Well, we're not really keeping it in the news as much as we are just trying to call attention to the culture wars in this country. Politics and public policy are derived from culture. And as the culture changes, so does public policy. And sitting on your hands and playing politely has gotten us this far. So take a step back and take a look at it. Countless times on the program we've talked about really the dichotomy of the nation, how we're pretty sharply divided into just two countries, it seems, across a myriad of issues, economic uh, and cultural and social. And this this whole gender ideology stuff is just invaded our government at all levels. Just this morning I saw now that I think it's the state of Missouri, if I'm not mistaken. They just passed a series of bills regarding males participating in female sports, gender transition, affirming surgery for minors. Of course, the left is going crazy. And there was one California state senator that actually warned parents to flee, quote, flee the state after this gender affirmation bill advances. And that bill seeks to criminalize parents who refuse to seek gender transition surgery for minors who say they want it, who say they're dysphoric. They would essentially be considered child abuse. If a parent were to deny the child's, quote, gender identity, it'd be a violation of their health, safety, and welfare, equivalent to child abuse. So think about how upside down that is. You're committing child abuse because you won't take your minor child to some clinic that'll chop them up and attempt to transition them to the other sex, the other gender. If you don't do that, don't comply, like, who's the adult here? I think that's a big deal that you're going to see in other parts of the country as well. 
If I hadn't turned on Super Talk, I wouldn't have anything about trans today. Well, then you're not paying attention to the news because I could sit here and cite you a dozen articles today on it in reports. It is. We can either ignore it and act like it's not happening, or we can heed it and understand. I think the left's devious plan here. How could how could you not? Be aware of that. It's, it's unbelievable dotting the landscape of this country. I will turn our attention, however, as I promised a, a while back on the program today, uh, to this GOP tax bill. So we've many times shared that the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, the TCJA, signed into law by Donald Trump in 2017. There are provisions of it, primarily the individual provisions, that will expire at the end of calendar year 2025. And when that happens, vast majority of households in this country will see their taxes increase. The left will tell you, oh, no, that only affected the rich. Trump's buddies, they say. Simply not true. Two-thirds of the households in this country benefited from the TCJA. And so I did a little review of this new bill Republicans in the House have, have offered. This is just a day old, two days old. The American Families and Jobs Act. And here's what it does. It, it addresses some of the business and corporate provisions that are being phased out now as part of the TCJA, and then it also addresses the individual provisions. But on the individual front, between now and 2025, from now through 2025, it would temporarily increase the standard deduction by $2,000 for single filers and $3,000 for head of household taxpayers, 4000 for joint filers through 2025. That amount would phase out by 5% over $200,000 for single filers, 300000 for head of household, four hundred k for joint filers. So that's uh, that would actually put money in most people's pockets. It would um, decrease their overall tax bill. That's one big thing. And then something else that's happening that folks aren't paying a lot of attention to, unless you're a corporation that relies on these sorts of policies, and that's the phasing out of 100% bonus depreciation, meaning when you buy a capital asset, you're able to write it off of your taxes in the year of purchase at 100%. You buy a piece of equipment for $10,000, you can deduct all $10,000 from your taxable uh, from your income to arrive at taxable income before you pay taxes as a corporation or a business, uh, uh, even a non-C-Corp business. And then there's um, what's called Section 179 depreciation. That primarily applies to small, mid-sized businesses, and that's in addition to the bonus depreciation. And that allows the small, mid-sized businesses, again, to, to write off expense deduction for capital investment 
uh, right now up to a million dollars a year uh, as long as they purchase less than 2.5 million. This is why it applies to small, mid-sized businesses in a year, and then it starts to phase out uh, for every dollar you purchased above 2.5 million in the year. That reduces the amount that you're able to deduct. So what they seek to do in this new bill was permanently lift the maximum to 2.5 million, the threshold up to uh, the maximum you can write off, and the threshold up to 4 million. So it just means that they can write off more of what they buy in, the, in terms of capital equipment, capital investment in a year, which would lower their tax bill. Something else I think is pretty important is the 1099 reporting threshold would go from $600 to $5,000 for uh, for companies, and that just means there's just less hassle, less cost associated with with issuing these 1099s for any sort of vendor that does work for the uh, a company as a 1099 subcontractor type arrangement. So that's that's good stuff. Uh, and then there's there's changes to R and D expensing and interest deduction for corporation as well. That stuff's being phased out from the original TCJA, and this this bill would reinstate it at least through 2025. But then at the end of 2025, we start this all over again. And you're going to see, I think, a fairly contentious debate in our Congress once the new Congress is seated in 2025, a, uh, a new president potentially, uh, changes in the Senate. And this is going to be a front and center issue because all this stuff is expiring in that year. Now, this bill I just described has got no chance. Understand that. This is a Republican creation in the House. I think it's a good bill. You know, Rhino, I've talked many times about, hey, where are you guys on this stuff expiring in 2025? So maybe maybe they were listening. So they did offer something. I applaud them for that. Now, I understand it's got no chance in Chuck Schumer's Senate, and the president is not going to sign it. The only thing he will sign off on are tax increases and higher spending. He has no interest. By the way, this bill also does reduce spending significantly, and it's got some provisions in it that changes Social Security. And we'll get into that when we come back. It won't take but a minute or two to explain those new provisions, those proposals. Of course, the, the Democrats are jumping all over this. You can imagine... Uh, what they're saying about this Republican plan to reform Social Security. Coming right back with more in the Element Well Studios. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. All right, we are back on Super Talk Mississippi.
We thank you so much for joining us on the ceasefire tax line. Do they still tax you on inventory for spare parts, etc.? That would be a state tax. And yes, Mississippi is one of the states that does have a uh, an inventory tax, business inventory tax. I can't remember what the amount of it is. There are only a few states remaining that still have an inventory tax. It's really a form of property tax for the most part. It's how it is considered. And I can't remember what the amount is, though. I'm looking for that. It's not a whole lot, uh, as I recall. It's not a big part of the tax burden on the states, but... We do have one. So back on to this uh, plan. It's it's, to, it's a total budget plan that includes tax reform by the GOP and the American Families and Jobs Act is what it's called. And it does address Social Security. And here's what it does, quite simply. It raises the age at which future retirees could start claiming full Social Security benefits. Presently, that's 67. That would go to 69. I guess, Brian, are we going to see, once this is known, we're going to see people pour into the streets and start protesting like they did over there in France when they went from, what, 62 to 64? So, and it would phase it in, essentially, such that by 20, it, it like adds months every year until you get to 2033, 10 years out. And at that point, if you're 62, then your retirement would be 69. It's the way it works, the way the phasing in would kind of shake out. But that's in their blueprint. Now, she's huh, over there on the left. Here's what they're saying. This would destroy Social Security as we know it. They're just going crazy. This would transform Social Security from an earned insurance benefit, which replaces wages lost in the event of old age, disability, or death into a substance, pardon me, subsistence level welfare benefit. Currently... Just the first 160000 of course, of wage earnings are subject to the Social Security uh, tax. And what they want, what the left wants, is to tax above that and make those dirty, evil, wicked, rich people pay more and receive less. And that's considered fair. You pay more in, you get less out. They want to decrease the benefits they would receive, even though they want to increase the amount they would pay in. Basically, they want one group to pay for the retirement benefits of another. This is what they want to do. Representative Don Beyer. Where is he from? He's a, I think he's from Virginia, if I'm not mistaken. A Democrat from Virginia. He says, the largest group of House Republicans just released a budget that calls for massive tax cuts for the super-rich and raising the Social Security retirement age, a benefit cut for millions of Americans. So, 
their refrain is the Republican plan would destroy Social Security. This is and what their idiotic voters will lap it up. No doubt. And here's what's disingenuous about that. Doing nothing will destroy Social Security. Just like state purse. Same deal. Doing nothing. Have you seen a candidate in the state discuss PERS in any of their campaigning? Nope. I see you shaking your head. That would be a nope. I haven't seen it. It ain't popular. Because you know what? There are no popular solutions. I think it's worthy to repeat. You want to fix Social Security? You want to fix PERS, Medicare? you got three choices. More's got to come in, less has got to go out, or a combination of the two. Same deal. It's not popular. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody's talking about the fact that the employer contribution rate on wages into PERS increases by 5% in a short year. goes into effect next July 1, July 1, 2024. Nobody wants to talk about that. So all the people that say, hey, I'm for cutting taxes, you're in spending, you're actually raising spending by increasing the taxpayer-funded contribution rate, which would put it at 22.5% on the employer side, 95 on the employee side. It's a 32% of wages contribution into PERS. 32%. We're stepping aside for a break. Coming right back with Brent Bailey. Fox News, Super Talk News is next. Get ready. Get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Middays live from the Element Well Studios on this Friday Eve. <laughs> we thank you so much for joining us today. And in these studios, it's Brent Bailey, Public Service Commissioner for Mississippi's Central District. How you doing there, Mr. Commissioner? Doing fine, Mr. Gerard. Thank you so much for having me in on the noon hour here. Yeah, man. Appreciate you coming in. Yeah. We are uh, getting after it today. So give us uh, give us the latest. I understand that Intergy is going to lower our rates a bit. Is that true? What's up with that? That is correct. Over So as part of our what we call our formula rate plan annual review of, of rates of, of entering Mississippi and, and all our, uh, we conduct an annual review of all utilities. Um, as part of the process, there were a couple of things we were able to identify to, to move over as part of the, the rate-based process, as well as take a, a another look at where we are on the fuel adjustment cause, uh, fuel adjustment recovery components. As you may recall, last year in 2022, natural gas prices really uh, got very volatile with um, things going on in Europe, the invasion of Ukraine, uh, domestic production and utilization issues, import-export, a lot of different factors there uh, that 
really drove the price of natural gas up, particularly during the month of August. It, it bumped near $10 a million BTU, hmm. the highest consu- one of the highest consumption months of the, of the year for electric power generation. And those costs do flow back to customers, and by law, we, we have to require and allow to utilities to recover those costs, yeah. and that flows into calendar year 2023. But we've also seen natural gas prices really come down significantly over the last several months and stabilize, and by the projections of the EIA, it's going to stay below $4, and right now it's just about $2.30-something, cents, I believe, a million BTU. And so we were able to take a look at our fuel adjustment rider what we're allowing for recovery and bring those bring that down as you may recall last year um upon um, the, the volatile in pricing there was a significant under recovery by energy on their fuel cost mm-hmm. uh, about this time last year we also settled a number of legal disputes with energy and system energy resources to allow about $300 million flow back to the state of Mississippi Hmm. for energy customers in various forms. A large chunk of that went into reducing that under-recovery aspect, um, knocking it down significantly. However, it was still there. We raised the recovery aspect on natural gas prices to eat into that to really bring it in line so you don't have a lot of fluctuation. And that has been very successful at that point and has been fully implemented over the last few months or earlier part of this year. Uh, with natural gas down, we're able to reduce that and return those savings to customers. And what that means is um, a comparable bill from June 2023 to July 2023 will reduce by about seven dollars per thousand kilowatt hours used um which is i know hey that that's really great on a comparable basis and we're really happy to to be able to do that as far as some not just only adjusting fuel cost recovery but some other aspects built into the um um, rate rate schedule, um, but understanding we are getting into summer as well, yeah. and, and while we're certainly pleased we can help provide that rate relief, um, we understand bills are probably going to go up as well because the the natural consumption of electricity will go up as temperatures have gone up, and we've already seen a fairly warm June. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll see a warm July. So we also want to remind customers that uh, it's never too late to think about what kind of energy efficiency measures, improvements, or practices, or even behavioral steps that can be implemented to help um, you know take greater advantage of this rate reduction going forward. And so, you know, there's programs out there offered by the utilities, offered by special um, action agencies, DHS and others. Um, so we encourage folks to take a good look at that and see what they can do, you know, for themselves, uh, whether it's um, lighting, appliances, changing your filter every 30 days. That's so important to reduce the load on your AC unit, um, cleaning the coils of your appliances and other things like that. There's just small steps you can take, low-cost, no-cost steps to really help manage your utility bill going forward. You know, I think a lot of folks sort of use the uh, the benchmark of COVID to uh, to compare uh, rates and prices of uh, of energy, household energy consumption, gas and electricity. Of course, I- any idea of kind of what it was pre COVID, the twenty nineteen era, and what it is now? We're below where we were at the peak, right? I mean, get natural gas has come down a fair amount since the peak. Oh yeah, yeah, and natural gas has been a fairly stably, stable priced uh, natural resource, yeah. energy resource, the last 
10 to 14 years. Yep. Um, so we haven't seen a whole lot of volatility just in this last year. Of course, you had some global geopolitical right. issues that impacted that. But pre-COVID um, and post-COVID, yes, you saw more people at home. Yes, residential consumption went up slightly. Commercial industrial came down significantly, but you're starting to see all that even back out. And even somewhat probably see greater levels of consumption in all three customer classes now as economic um, rejuvenation continues to take place in, in across the nation. Yeah. Have you seen this uh, House bill passed uh, in Washington that would block federal bans on gas stoves? You know, some states and cities have been uh, been passing measures that do, in fact, ban use of uh, gas stoves and new connections, gas connections. Are we at any risk in Mississippi of something like that uh, happening? Uh, Mississippi, if I remember right, we addressed that about two legislative cycles ago okay. to sort of create an all the, all the above legislation that okay. does not prohibit that, that prohibits certain um, 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 jurisdictional bodies from favoring one energy resource over the other. Okay, so we we've kind of addressed that. Okay, because the, but, yeah, I've seen that, and we that is something that's discussed and observed. Mississippi, we're still we have programs that encourage rural expansion of of natural gas and okay. other energy resources. We have a supplemental growth program to help bring natural gas to industrial parks and other manufacturing centers that may not have that to make them more competitive in the economic development world. So uh, the PSC and as well as the state level legislature, we, we're encouraging those additional in comp- competition amongst the energy resources. Okay. Well, this, this ban, this measure, which doesn't have a chance of passing, it passed in the House, and it will not uh, pass in the yes. Senate. Of course, the president wouldn't sign it anyhow. Th- this would not affect laws implemented at the state enacted at the state level uh it just it just prohibits the federal government from going so far as to issuing a national federal ban um that all states would have i think that's going to be that's going to be a very very tough hill to climb as far as states rights and state jurisdictions and and we deal with a lot of that now and and we're seeing some of that in uh, the the siting of transmission and generation. Hmm. Okay, uh, you know how far should the federal government get involved in resource adequacy in generation yep. decisions at the state level, um, both with the type of in- generations to be uh, that's proposed and and what looking at the aspects of affordability, accessibility, what's appropriate, and as well as the siting of transmission. And we are a little nervous about that. How yeah. far should the federal government get involved in the siting of energy infrastructure at the state level absolutely makes total sense i mean there, there are certain permitting requirements we get that but you know it's still um to this date been the responsibility and the jurisdictional authority of the state to accomplish that yeah we we should know what's best for our customers uh, are you hearing any sort of feedback from uh the the companies within the state that do supply natural gas services that maybe they're going to hold off on making future investments or making new investments simply because they're concerned about this sort of movement in the country to just reduce, if not totally eliminate. I mean, certainly stranded assets are always a concern within the electric generation sector due to change in regulation or law or whatever, yeah. um, or technology. Um, but I, I, I believe that those providers have are looking ahead 
how they can use it for other factors if okay. natural gas does become challenged as a fuel, uh, to repurposing for other clean gas resources such as hydrogen. Okay. Um, and there's efforts in, even in Mississippi of certain companies to uh, grow the hydrogen economy here from the production hmm. to storage to utilization, co-firing within natural gas units, as we've seen some investments already in the southeast to allow that flexibility. Um, so there's there's a lot of long-term thinking, and you got to do that in, in the energy sector. These are 30, 40, 50-year assets, and you got to plan on their cost recovery and the use and useful life of those. So yeah. these these are multi-generational decisions that we make. It's got to make sense <laughs> economically yeah. for them. Uh, we got about 30 seconds left. Quickly, what are you looking for out of the legislature this coming year? Anything at the top of the list there? Oh, I hadn't even thought that far ahead, but that is a conversation we'll soon be having at okay. the PSC. It certainly is. Um, we're finishing up one budget year, fixing to move into another one, and already looking ahead, what do we need to start talking about next year? I, I, I wish I had a couple things to throw at you, but Sorry. Um, you, know, you may be aware that the no-call program yeah is transferring from us entirely to the AG's office yeah. as a result of this most recent legislation. Well, that's probably good, it, it, You know, if we don't look at efficiencies and in, in investigation, pursuit, yeah. arrest, and prosecution, you put not all under one house. Gotcha. Brent, appreciate yeah. you coming on, man. Hey, man, thank you so much. Thanks I enjoy it as always. Brent Bailey, Public Service Commissioner of the Central District, coming right back with more. Covering the stories that matter most to Mississippians. Gerard Gibbert, Middays with Gerard, Super Talk, Mississippi. songs to drive down the road to right there just like just like fitz driving kevin cronin reo speedwagon bruce hall on the base need to be in the hall of fame dang it rock and roll hall of fame why are they not there i still say you should send that uh the minutes of that meeting that was so good you mean when i was uh doing my hearing oh yeah in the state senate jeremy england State Senator, this was after Senator Hob Bryan was giving me grief for my lottery board appointment. It's a reappointment to another term. Had to go before the uh, the joint committee there. Yeah, and Senator Bryan, who's not a fan of the lottery, always wants to kind of express his grievance <laughs> about it. Oh gosh. I guess I'm the scapegoat for that because I just happen to be on the board. And Senator Jeremy England <laughs> is part of the question and answer period there. Senators were asking me questions, which were relevant. And Senator England says, Gerard, do you think the REO Speedwagon ought to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? <laughs> which was just awesome. It was great timing. It was a bit tense at that time. And he asked that. And I said, you dang right they should be. <laughs> well, in fairness, Hob Bryant does have a history of histrionics. <laughs> he definitely does. He's a bit of a showman, shall we say. 
<laughs> the trees! He has a penchant for the dramatic down there in the Capitol. I'm sure we've got that around here in the system somewhere. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, we are, we're back. We're just talking about this Tax Cuts and Jobs Act enacted into law into 2017. The individual provisions is scheduled to expire at the end of 25. Three key corporate provisions are being phased out right now, which increase their tax liability and thus the amount they would pay in corporate taxes to Uncle Sam. That, of course, being passed on. I saw a report where 91% of American corporations expect to, a poll, expect to raise their prices in the second half of the year. Yesterday, we had Fed Chairman Jerome Powell delivering remarks after the Open Market Committee, the Fed Open Market Committee, that's the folks that decide on uh, interest rates, the benchmark interest rate, which they kept level, did not increase it, did not increase it. A pause, if you will. First one we had, we've had in 11 meetings, I believe, where they've taken no action. And here's what Fed Powell, Jerome Powell said. You know, I like to watch him speak and I always do so on the business channel where there's always a, uh, a window or a bar on the screen, at the bottom of the screen, while the Fed chairman is speaking, and you can watch the market react, because they're hanging on to every dang word he says, of course. And what he said was, okay, we're not raising rates here in June, but do not expect a rate decrease this year. And he also said, likely going to increase rates that Fed governors have said that um, Fed governors, at least two of them, have said that they believe we need to increase rates. And he said, until we get inflation down to our target of 2%, expect us to keep increasing rates. So the market promptly tanked on that news while he was talking. Turned negative, and it it dipped pretty deep. I think it ended up down nearly 300 points. Now it's up today, and I can't find any news on why it's up so much today. There's a rally. It's up 352. The Dow is. The only thing I can come up with is it's just fear of missing out. Money on the sidelines. They call it FOMO. Um, investing. And just feel like that yesterday was a bit over a bit of an overreaction the sell-off was this artificial intelligence stuff is absolutely um, driving the market investors are paying a lot of attention to that and see that as kind of the next frontier reminds me a little bit of the late 90s, the internet boom in the stock market. And there's there are multiple ways to invest in artificial intelligence because there's so many companies that are making significant investments in the technology. 
IBM was one of the early adopters with their Watson technology, and that was a few years ago. And uh, they get they're getting a lot of attention. A lot of investors are taking uh, positions in IBM. They pay a, a tidy dividend. And they're making significant investments in artificial intelligence and intend to deliver those technologies through their cloud platforms. Amazon has announced in their Amazon Web Services they intend to create and establish AI-oriented cloud services. Microsoft investing big time. Their stock's up a lot today, and it's because of some announcements they've made of their intentions to really exploit and leverage artificial intelligence across all their offerings. The stock's up $7.72 today, 2.5%. Wow, big run for Microsoft. Apple, of course, also, all these big guys investing. You might want to check out Splunk, S-P-L-K. They've been using artificial intelligence and machine learning for some time. I mean, that's their core business, honestly. They provide some really nifty reporting and analysis tools that can sift through just a mountain of machine data uh, in networks and in environments, IT environments, and assemble all that into some actionable, reasonable intelligence, meaningful intelligence data in easy to, easy to kind of use and consume formats. It's really pretty cool technology. Palo Alto, using it in their security technology, another company. My company had relationships with all these companies. They were great partners to work with and implemented a fair amount of that stuff, their technologies. Those are all good companies. And then NVIDIA, NVIDIA because NVIDIA makes the chips, the processors, the, the GPUs, etc., that are used in artificial uh, intelligence processing. I saw where they've got some new chip technology that can execute something like 30 trillion commands in a second. I can't even comprehend that. That's mind-boggling, but really cool stuff. CC in Sanatobia says, folks, I love the Speedwagon song. Used to blare it on my radio when I drove 18 wheelers. Corn Pop loved it too. And it's great music to drive to, isn't it? CC? I, I thought so. What else we got? Uh, by the way, Vicki in Clarksdale says, Cahoma Electric doesn't give us a break. Not regulated by the Public Service Commission. Brent wanted me to pass that on to you, Vicki, just so you'll know. Trump tax cuts gave me and my wife $140 extra per month. We are middle class, Mississippi middle class. That on the ceasefire tax line. Well, that would go away if the tax cuts expire, and they're scheduled to do so unless action is taken by the Congress and signed into law by the president between now and 2025. That's what the GOP tax bill. Actually, it would improve that somewhat because it it bumps up the standard deduction. That was one of the key provisions of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which was to eliminate the personal exemption but increase double, in fact, more than double now, the standard deduction. So the only complaint I have about the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is that it was so generous that more American households were removed from the tax rolls. It's sort of like the tax reform that occurred here in Mississippi. There were a number of households that 
did not uh, do not have enough income to have a tax liability. So it's good in that they get to keep their money, but it's yeah, it's a little concerning in that we've placed all the tax burden and all the financing of government at the state and federal level on a, a smaller component of the population of the taxpayers. But it's time for a break here. we got half an hour left in the Element Well Studios. It's middays, and we're coming right back. With Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk, Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Yeah, just reading more of the comments about the GOP 2024 budget plan. And uh, it just seems like they over dramatize all this stuff. It's the, you know, pushing grandma in the wheelchair off the cliff sort of stuff. And people dying in the streets and none of which is accurate they want to cut benefits now to avoid cutting them later which isn't a solution at all it would make it especially hard for americans so disabled that they can no longer work to claim their earned social security and far easier for the government to take those benefits away far from raising taxes on the rich The RSC budget calls for massive tax cuts by proposing a permanent extension of the individual tax provisions of the 2017 Trump GOP law. The Congressional Budget Office estimated such a move would add $2.5 trillion to the federal deficit over the next decade. No, they didn't. It was $1.5 trillion. You only missed it by a trillion. But who's counting? Notwithstanding the fact, of course, that their projection was totally wrong. It's not how it worked out. Five years into the decade. I know you're shocked that they got that wrong. They never get it right, but they never come back and say, sorry guys, we got that wrong. It's kind of like all this transitory inflation stuff. They just don't come back and, I guess account for that, or apologize. Sorry, we blew that. Man, oh man. But the Democrats, are they're not only going crazy on this deal, but they're they're pulling out screenshots, they're they're publishing in their social media screenshots of 
the text of the bill, and they're highlighting stuff they don't like. And they say, here are the features. Social Security cuts, it raises the retirement age, adds $2.5 trillion to the deficit to extend the Trump tax law. It adds $337.4 billion to the deficit to cut taxes for people worth $13 million. Where did they come up with that? That's completely horse hockey. Knowing them, they probably pulled it right out of their rear. <laughs> this would deprive some of the most medically vulnerable people in America of health care. It alone would inevitably lead to more medical bankruptcies and increased homelessness. Man, good grief. Just uh, all the rhetoric is crazy. So what they're wanting to do is, is implement for Medicare what's called a premium support model, which would essentially take, allow you to take your Medicare dollars and purchase private coverage. And essentially, it sort of transforms Medicare to kind of a voucher program, sort of like school choice would. Now, by the way, this idea, this may come as a surprise to a lot of folks listening or watching. This idea first surfaced under House Speaker Paul Ryan. It was his idea. That was back in uh, the Obama era. And, of course, he's not necessarily a favorite of conservatives, but this plan got shot down then, and now it's back on it by the most right-leaning people in the House. That caucus. Interesting. I think it's a good idea, honestly. But, of course, the Democrats, if, if it doesn't come from government, exclusively, then it's no good, right? The private sector, we can't do that. Incredible. The ink is barely dry on the bipartisan budget agreement, and House Republicans are already reneging on the deal and undercutting their own speaker. That's what Brendan Doyle from Pennsylvania, he's the top Democrat on the House Budget Committee, said. The only plan they've come up with, which really isn't, a viable plan is to increase contributions from a sliver of the population. That's the only plan they've come up with. That's always the solution. More taxes, more revenue. But as we all know, all they do is spend it. They just shove it out the door on programs. Nobody ever accounts for that. Moe says, I've said it before, all of this transgender activity in the schools is eventually to normalize pedophilia. I think it's beyond that, Moe. I think it's to, to try to indoctrinate young people in this country to those ways so that they feel some degree of maybe guilt. It's beyond just acceptance and acknowledgement. It's like, you gotta, we got to make them feel guilty so they won't vote for our political opponents, and they'll continue to support us, and we can stay in power. The most important thing, of course. That's the outcome they're looking for. Stephen A. from Mendenhall says, If Joe Biden is so bad, what are three things Trump could do better if he were president right now, besides avoiding prison? Seriously? Well, I can think of a lot of things, but... 
Again, First that comes to mind is drill, baby, drill. I was just about to say that. We've said that many, many times on the program. That's the first thing they ought to do. And it, the House Republicans feel the same way. It's H.R. 1. It's their top priority legislation. Because, of course, the cost of energy is embedded in everything we buy. It takes energy. Every product and service we consume has an energy component to it. Every aspect of life does. But the World Health Organization, by the way, they want you to completely discontinue the use of motor vehicles, by the way, be they electric or fossil fuels powered. You can't have any more vehicles. You've got to start walking everywhere. That's the way the left thinks. So that's one. Two, I would say, is he would actually know where he is when he's talking. <laughs> and when he's done talking, he wouldn't look like a lost ball in tall grass just wandering around. And three, he wouldn't be flying his crackhead son all over the world to avoid child yep. care. or No. He, he showed up to court, but he still is fighting, and Biden does not acknowledge that he has a granddaughter via Hunter. Right. Yep. Probably wouldn't have the war in Ukraine because Putin wouldn't have had the gonads to do it. I would also say... Wouldn't have had the terrible withdrawal from Afghanistan. Agree. And even though that's historical, it's indicative of what we might face some more. He also wants, by the way, Biden does, he he's cozying up with other nations on this minimum global tax, which, by the way, folks, just so you'll understand, that means that Our companies, American companies that operate abroad in those countries, they're, of course, subject to the laws and the tax laws of those countries. But if they don't feel like they're getting enough from them, this global minimum tax would allow them to extract dollars from them on their operations in this country. That's essentially ceding tax sovereignty. You're allowing foreign countries to dictate taxation of American companies. That's completely unacceptable. So that's another one. Not sure if Stephen A. understands that sort of stuff, but that's the global minimum tax. Trump, no way, no how, signs on to that. Wouldn't have a cabinet filled with a bunch of ideologues and idiots. I was going to say, eliminating the whole DEI complex and the focus on that and how that influences policymaking, as well as climate change. A central theme, as the Biden executive orders called it, day one when he took office. This will be central, a central themes in all of our policymaking in the agency complex. It wouldn't let, let them act in a rogue fashion, essentially defying Congress, thumbing their nose at Congress. This is what... This is what I'll give to Trump. He exposed that. Honestly, it's a bit disappointing that prior Republicans didn't. This has been around for a long time. This deep state crap that essentially run the dang country has been around a while. I do applaud him for calling attention to it. I will. I'd like to see him lose the insulting and the pejoratives. I could do without that, honestly. But... You know, from a just common sense policy perspective, exposing the deep state bureaucracy where too much power comes from that runs our lives. Yeah, that's a big difference than Biden, who wants them to have carte blanche, honestly. 
as long as they're focused on climate change and diversity, equity, and inclusion. They can do whatever they want, as long as that's a central theme in their policy making. Forget merit, performance, value. Unbelievable. We're coming right back with a final segment on middays in the Element Well Studios. Middays with Gerard. Good for America. Good for fans of justice and truth. Good for us. Super Talk Mississippi. This is what we stand for. We are back in the Element Well Studios. Ben from Madison says, Senator England is probably the funniest member in the legislature. He is. He's got a great sense of humor. I hear you, Gerard, also Ben said earlier. It's just bad business to shove something down the throats of consumers that has nothing to do with the business itself. The old adage, for every action there is a reaction, holds true. Just ask the shareholders of uh, Anheuser-Busch. That's absolutely the case. And they just need to focus on creating great products and services that help society deliver value, provide good experiences to the market, and everything works out fine. You don't have to pander, placate certain demographics the way they want to. All this virtue signaling, all these sprawling DEI groups, it's crazy. It's uh, unnecessary, provides little to no value, and I say again, forcing that, dictating that, mandating that, legislating it, really doesn't change hearts and minds. That's the goal. And, and I it definitely think, doesn't achieve what they're claiming they want it to achieve. I mean, just look at the ESG scores of certain corporations. For example, Tesla, an electric car manufacturer, has an ESG score in the mid-30s. Philip Morris, a cigarette manufacturer, has an ESG score in the 80s. <laughs> That's because they've made all the massive investments in DEI and all that crap. And, and Musk says, I'm not doing that. It's not really relevant to my business. doesn't provide value to my business. He's pretty mad about it, too. He calls out the hypocrisy of that. Wait, I'm producing electric vehicles. In fact, he made them mainstream, single-handedly. And all the other ones are catching up with him now. That's the holy grail to the left, electric vehicles. Kamala Harris talks about who doesn't love an electric school bus, right? In between giggles and cackles. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that that just proves right there the lunacy of that. It's all just symbolic virtue signaling nonsense at the end of the day. So Thomas said, by the way, in Greenwood, he says, uh, unfortunately, this is all speculation. What did Trump do that's conservative besides the tax cut and the CARES Act more than nullified that? Well, Thomas, I think we're back once again to define conservative, because there's no consensus on that. And 
you know, my, my standard is, and my policy is, I vote for the most conservative, effective candidate in any given race. I don't just have this purity standard that says, can't vote for them, i got to write in somebody because they just don't meet my, my bona fides. Then I'd probably never vote for anybody, honestly. So, But I will say this uh, with respect to Trump. We focus a lot on the Trump tax cuts, which I think were uh, hugely successful and beneficial economic policy. But regulations, I think people overlook just how effective the reduction in regulations were, virtually all of which have been reversed since uh, Biden took office. And, you, you know, in his first uh, 24 hours, signed the 32 executive orders, most of which re- reversed a lot of those regulations because they are implemented at the, at the agency level. A hundred environmental regulations, eight regulations for every new significant regulation were cut between 17 and 19 under Trump. That's significant. And he had a policy that he, that he issued like day one that for every new regulation implemented, set into motion, two had to be cut. I think we underestimate the positive impact that had on our economy. What you laughing about? Oh, I can't help but laugh because in back-to-back texts on the ceasefire text line, Paul in Meridian says, Thomas doesn't like Trump because of the bump stock ban. And immediately, <laughs> Thomas texts in, was Trump banning bump stocks a conservative? Oh, my gosh. I, that matters to about a teeny, about as many people are, that are transgenders, in my opinion. I just, again, you may not like that, and I get it, but if you're going to be a one-issue voter like that, good luck. Find somebody that absolutely will align with all of your issues and check all the boxes. Was lobbying Republicans to increase the debt ceiling in 2019 conservative? Again, I'm going to say define conservative. We have a debt. We have to pay our bills. I think it was practical. I think it was necessary. And I'll, I'm certainly willing to listen to you. We'll be back tomorrow, of course. We're out of time today. But I'm certainly willing to listen to any recommendations you have on how to avoid and how to eliminate the need to borrow money to operate our government. I've been through the math a hundred times here on the program. See what you think about it. And then find a candidate who could get elected and make that happen. We're out of here today. We appreciate you joining us back in the studio tomorrow. Until then, stay safe and God bless everyone. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.